morning, everybody. Great to be back. Missed you all. Hope you all had a good Christmas. If you're here for the first time, my name is Fortunatus. That's my full name. It's a whole sentence. So we tried to shorten it down to Forty. And the credit goes to my fourth year four teacher who just out of the blue came up with that word, Forty. And it's stuck. So that's who I am.、Um, I'm originally from India, so that's where I've been away.、Um, my wife and I, we've been visiting my family and my daughter, Irene.、Uh, we've been visiting my family in India, and we had a good time.、Um, we missed you all.、Uh, didn't miss the cold.、Um, we're quite grateful.、Um, but it's good to be back.、Uh, it's great to be back.、Uh, good to see you all here.、Yeah. Just going to make my. Little adjustment so I can be free. There we go. Awesome.、Um, I was just really moved、um, today at worship、um, because one of the things that I felt Father was speaking to me about and was asking me to share was just His faithfulness and His goodness that follows us every day of our lives. And we've been singing about that all morning. I, I, I had tears in my eyes. I was just so grateful for the goodness. That follows me. And I love those words where it says, Your goodness, it runs after me. It, it chases after me. Like, even if I run faster, it will run faster behind me. It's going to be following me as fast as I run. And if I pause, it will pause with me. He's not a God who just abandons us because we're, we're pausing. He's not a God who just leaves us because we've had a question or we, we have whatever, a little. Hiccup here and there, he pauses with us. He stays there with us and he guides us through. That's who he is. So I want to bless you this morning. I want to bless us this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we do not ever choose to forget that you are good. Lord, we will never forget that you are good. We will always hold on to that promise because it is who you are. And Father, your word says that you never change. You are an unchanging God. Father, the day may come and the day may go. Sun will rise and the sun will set. But Lord, your light in our lives will always shine. Father, your hand on our lives will always be there. It will always be there. You will be our secure place. You will always be our fortress. And we choose to come to you today, O、oh, faithful God. Oh, faithful Father, great is your faithfulness. Great, great is your faithfulness. You never forget us. You call us the apple of your eye. Never forget us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You are good. You are good. You are good. If, if, if there's any, I just want to say this. If there's unrepented sin in your heart, would you just take a moment? Just get it right with the Father right now. Just in this moment, if He's been speaking to you about things in your heart, in your life, He's just repenting of sin is very, very important. And we do not take that lightly. As much as we believe in the goodness of a loving Father, 
we know that it begins with the repentance of sin. So, Father, is there anyone, anybody in the room who needs just a moment with the Father just to get honest with Him, just get vulnerable with Him? If there are things in your heart that you just need to allow Him to get in there, have access to, things that maybe you've fenced off, things that you maybe you've pushed to the back, and you don't talk about it anymore, you don't think about it anymore, you don't address it, would you just allow the Father to just gently come and help you? Just repent. Maybe this sin, just absolute sin, these things that you've been doing or the way you've been treating other people, the way you've treated your wife or your husband, the words that you may have spoken, the attitude in your heart. If there's things that you just need to get right with him, would you just do that? Before we just keep going, I just let's just get in a place where we're absolutely vulnerable and humble before him and just say, God, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me today? And name the thing. You don't have to be loud. Just in your heart, take a moment and just say, Father, would you forgive me? I understand this is wrong. I understand this is difficult. And in my own strength, Father, I keep failing. For some of us, it might be a repeat thing. It might be something that you would really wish it wasn't part of your life, but you know God can set you free. He can take care of that. For some of us, maybe we're just settling with it the uh, habits and patterns in our lives and just say, oh, my dad was like this or my mom was like this and I'm just like her, I'm just like him. It's a generational thing. You know what? Jesus has broken generational curses. You can be set free today, this moment, if you repent of it and ask him to break that curse off of you, over your family. You don't have to live an angry person. You don't have to live a life that you're just under stress all the time. Jesus can help you. Just come to him. Open up your heart to him and just say, Father, I need help. These are the areas in my life I need help with. Would you help me? We're going to be looking at the life of Joseph, and he had a moment in his life like that. Oh, <clears throat> for any of you who might not be familiar with the story of Joseph, he's, he's this young lad, and his story starts around the book of Genesis in chapter 37, and he starts, he's a 17-year-old, he's a, he's a teenager, he's starting to have these dreams about himself and his family and his brother, he's got lots of brothers, and uh, he's starting to have these dreams. And um, you find Joseph in a really interesting place because Joseph's dad, um, he is not a simple guy either. He's a legend in the Bible, Jacob, right? He's the, he is the one who wrestled with God and men, and he won, the Bible says. Isn't that interesting? It's like, whoa. That's Jacob. He's a man of encounter. He's a man who's seen the face of God. He, he says that. He's like, my life was spared even though I saw the face of God.
whoa, whatever that meant. There's several theories about whether that was Jesus he wrestled, or whether it was an angel, whether it was God himself. We're not going to go into that, but Joseph comes. He's the son of this man who's, who's had an amazing encounter. He's been, he's been given this prophetic word. Jacob, he was re- he's called Israel. He's given this word, and then Joseph has these dreams about himself. But Joseph, this 17-year-old, doesn't know how to talk about it. And it's really interesting in verse 8 in chapter 37, um, it says that Joseph starts annoying his brothers. His brothers obviously are getting jealous because Joseph's one of the younger ones. And they're like, whoa, you're telling me that in your dream that we were all bowing to you. And Joseph's like, yep, you were all bowing to me. It was kind of like I was the leader and you were all bowing to me. It's like, okay, wow, well, not happy. <laughs> and then he doesn't stop there. Well, it's not, it's not his choice. He has another dream. And in this dream, he's saying, you know what, guys? There were stars, but then even the sun and the moon. And they're like, and Joseph's dad's getting involved at this point. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me you, my, your mom and I were going to be bowing in front of you? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And they're like, wait a second. No. And he gets told off by his dad. He gets told off by his dad. And in verse um, 8, it's really interesting. In the NLT, it says, um, they, got, they hated him, the brothers. They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about it. Isn't that interesting? Like, whoa, there was something. No, it's not just a dream, but somehow young Joseph, 17-year-old Joseph, didn't know how to steward this prophetic dream that he was having. Because the truth is, several chapters into the story, you, we see that those dreams did come true. They, it did happen. They did bow in front of him. God did exalt him. But he, there was this moment where he's just like lost. He, like Nobody's teaching him what a prophetic dream is or how to steward it, how to talk about it, how to sometimes, like, you know what Mary did when the angel spoke to her? Sometimes you just have to ponder. Sometimes you just hold it. And uh, the best way I've sort of managed to understand the idea of pondering is to sort of like kind of receive something and to just sit with it. Don't do anything, just sit with it. Just invite the Holy Spirit and just sit with it. And see what he says about it. You know, sometimes prophetic words are given and, you know, you, you really need some wisdom on how to deliver them and who to say to and what to share and how to share it and all that. But you, you find Joseph just kind of getting into this. And from that moment, his life just, he's launched into this journey forever and ever. And, um, you know, I'm just going to summarize bits of the story so we don't um, spend a lot of time reading huge chunks of text from the Bible. But eventually what happens is Joseph gets sold into slavery to these traders who then take him to Egypt and they sell him on to Potiphar, who was an Egyptian. And he was the the Ishmaelite traders. They um, um, sold him to Potiphar in chapter 39. And uh, he's sold as a slave. And um, 
in, in all this in all this that's happening in the meantime they've lied to Joseph's dad and they've told him he's dead that animals killed him and they show this nice robe that his dad made for him and they you know they uh, soak it in blood animal blood and they make him believe that Joseph's dead and his dad who is like a man of promise he's been given promises that will be fulfilled um, but he's there he's just lost a son and so on and so on and is like whoa joseph is in his own family is now being forgotten about like they're starting to forget about him they've sold him off the brothers all know this little secret his parents are forgetting about him he's like they're mourning him and they're sort of moving on from there and there's joseph in potiphar's house being sold as a slave but here's the thing, and this is this. I I love this bit about Joseph's life as well, and it kind of goes back to what we've been singing and praying about about the goodness of God. Is in chapter thirty nine and verse two, it says, "The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did, as he served in the home of his Egyptian master." Now Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased the master. So this pleased Potiphar, and he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he did not have to worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. How about that? Joseph sold into slavery his own family are forgetting him. His parents have mourned his death. They've sort of, that's it. His, that side of the family is gone. He's stepping in as a slave. But one thing changes the narrative. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And that's why I was saying earlier on, it's like, he never leaves us. Because he is a good God. He did not leave Joseph because God had plans and purposes that had to be fulfilled in Joseph's life, through the life of Joseph, to make Joseph a blessing to many, many, many people. We'll see some of that story. So God has all these things planned for Joseph. And so he's never going to leave Joseph. He's never going to abandon Joseph, even if his own family, even if his own brothers abandon him. Even if they've sold him for 20 pieces of silver, that's what the price was. 20 pieces of silver he was sold for. God was with Joseph. He was with Joseph. And that changes the same thing. Suddenly, everything flourishes. Everything's going really well. Right? Which means that things weren't going really well, right? 
If something was going really well already and you just put another guy in there and he's just keeping the cogs turning, is that you're like, oh, yeah, great. It was a good thing anyway, you know? Nothing was broken to be fixed. But obviously, Portobar's life was different since the arrival of Joseph, right? So the Lord's presence and God being with Joseph actually changed the course and the trajectory of his master's household. Suddenly they flourished. Suddenly they were being blessed. And this is like, not just like, oh yeah, this month's business was great. You know, we did, we, it's always like that. You know, you have these, if you talk to small business owners, they tell you these things. If you talk to Richard and Dottie, they say, there are some months that are really good. There are some months not so good, you know. And you kind of have to not spend all the money you make in the good months so you can kind of survive the bad months or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's not just that. Joseph's appearance and presence in Potiphar's house meant from this moment on, every month's a good month. From this month on, from this moment where I've been given responsibility, Joseph's been given responsibility, everything's different. So different that Potiphar actually has to stop and think, actually, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. Potiphar's like, you know what? The only thing that's changed is this guy came into our lives as a slave. Okay, I'm going to give him some responsibility. I'm going to, I'm going to release some responsibilities to him. And suddenly he realizes, wow, whatever he sets his hand to, the Lord seems to be blessing it. So I'm going to keep releasing more responsibility, more responsibility, more and more and more. And suddenly he, Joseph's responsible for everything except choosing the menu for the day. I guess Potiphar was a picky eater. But isn't that incredible that in our lives, when we say your promises are yes and amen, God, your goodness, it runs and it follows me. All my life you have been faithful and you will never let go of me now. What we're saying is, God, I, I just don't think about that in some wide, big picture kind of way. But actually, that means that if that needs to be fulfilled, the God who is yes and amen is with me every day. And if he's with me every day, then every moment should start looking different. Right? You'd hope so. You should believe in that. And it's a promise. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing that you and I can claim today. It's that he is not just a God who just kind of like takes a bucket of blessings and just pours it on us and gets us wet. And he's like, all right, then go on. He's like, no, 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 come. I'll walk with you. I am the God of Joseph who was with him. And the people around him saw that I was with him. And because I was with him, he grew. And because I was with him, he flourished. Everything that he set his hand to was a blessing. It doesn't matter who is forgetting about us. It doesn't matter who's not thinking about us. What matters is who is with you now. Who is with you in this moment? It doesn't matter if Joseph's parents were mourning his death 
and his brothers had lied and they've sold him on. It doesn't matter that Joseph, who was an heir to great blessings and is a guy who's holding on to promises, was sold into slavery. It doesn't matter if you're a slave. What matters is who's with you now. And is that making an impact in your life and the people around us? Every promise that God fulfills, every testimony that we've heard today, every testimony that you and I will have, every promise that is fulfilled in our lives is part of the unveiling of God's goodness. Right? So that's why it's important. That's why, so when Paul encouraged us a few months ago that we should become more and more intentional about sharing testimonies and giving God the glory, giving God the praise. Why is it important? It's because every one of those stories, big or small, you know, weird or not so weird, whatever it might be in our own, in our own terms, in our own words, you know, it doesn't matter what and how big it is. What matters is every story, every instance is part of the unveiling of his nature. And that's why it's important. Could God do this? Well, he did it for this person. Does God actually intervene in a care home? Really? Isn't that where people basically just go and kind of have a nice way out? Whoa, you're telling me that God actually answers prayers in a care home? And he cares about someone and their poetry? Uh, how old are they, Kathy, the lady? 83 years old in a care home? He cares about her and her poetry? Could God do that? I don't read that story in the Bible. He didn't care about his poetry when they were 83 in a care home. But look, he's done it. Does that stir our faith up? It should, because it matters, Kathy. It mattered that you prayed. And even more, it mattered that you came and gave God the glory for that. Because now suddenly, as a whole church, we're more aware of what God is able to do. And we can pray even bigger prayers, even crazier prayers. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And now there's Potiphar's wife, the naughty lady. Joseph was well built, it says, and he was a handsome fella. And Potiphar had a wife who was interested in Joseph. And um, Joseph basically gets wrongly accused by her because he refused to sleep with her. And um, she accuses him, and he gets put in prison, right? So in verse 19 on onwards, Joseph now, abandoned by family and brothers, into slavery. Oh, blessing, 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 blessing. Wow, this is amazing. I'm in charge of everything in this household. Falsely accused. Boom. In prison for something he didn't do. Verse 21, but 
the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Okay, let's just quick, take a quick pause here, right? In the whole journey so far with Joseph, people have come and gone. Situations have changed. Circumstances have changed. His own influence has changed. He was in charge of a lot of things. He was in charge of nothing. He was in charge, you know, he's given everything to have control over. And now he's back in prison, no control, nothing, whatever. But the one thing that never changed all the way through is God and his plan for Joseph's life. Do we see that? And because that has been steadfast and that's been steady all through Joseph's life, God hasn't changed his mind about Joseph. Right? Potiphar, the, the husband, changed his mind about Joseph. He threw him in prison, right? Because he had to go with his wife's word. He had to say, oh my, my wife has just accused this guy of trying to sleep with her and like, I have to do something. I'm going to send you to prison. Boom, changed. Just a few verses before that, Potiphar, the Bible says, Potiphar was able to see that God was with Joseph. He himself saw that God was with Joseph, right? But the moment came when men had, could not help Joseph. An accusation has been made. The right thing to do would have to be put you in, put you in prison. And it's like, oof, what do you do now? But the thing that never changed was God and his plan for Joseph. And it says, God was with Joseph and showed him his faithful love. His faithful love. The love that never lets go of us. The love is always constant. Always faithful. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries. We've heard this one before, haven't we? The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. What a glorious testimony. Huh? In prison again. At the bottom of the ladder again. But in no time. Because Joseph was a man of presence. The Lord was with him. The presence of God was with Joseph. God himself was with him. Boom. Unprecedented promotions, supernatural promotions, and promotions in places that you shouldn't be promoted. Like, who puts a prisoner in charge? <laughs> to a point that the warden doesn't have to worry about anything. Promotion in places where you're not even meant to be promoted. In the natural sense, there's not even space to be promoted. This is not even logical. God promotes him because God had a plan for Joseph. God had a plan for Joseph. A couple of things that I just want to pick up, which I believe God is speaking to me about. In this, Joseph, in Sunday school, you're always, we're always talking about Joseph the dreamer, right? Joseph was always known for the dreams. 
and his his own dreams, and then the dreams that he interpreted, um, made him famous. Is what really you know pushed him right up to Pharaoh's um, palace and all that sort of thing. So Joseph, the Technicolor coat, the colorful jacket that he got from his dad, and the dreams. That's what Joseph's known for, and. Um, you know these moments where it's the ups and downs, the ups and downs. All those, all those things happen, and you know God has been faithful. But God kind of opened my eyes to this thing in verse, in chapter forty, verse eight. In chapter forty, verse eight. Um, so Joseph's in prison, and there's two guys there. Um, these guys were the Pharaoh's cupbearer. And the Pharaoh's baker. So these guys are like the royal servants. Um, they're from the palace, uh, and they would have been working directly for the Pharaoh. And one was the cupbearer, which was a very um, important role, and the other one was the baker, who baked all the bread and all that sort of thing. And in verse eight it says, "And they replied, We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean." Listen to this. This is Joseph's response. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. And so they go on to tell the dreams and Joseph interprets it and it comes to pass. The cupbearer is reinstated to his former position and the baker is actually um, killed. And so God opened my eyes. I, I, I could have picked up on that. It's the sudden maturing and growth that Joseph has since he was 17. Remember that verse where he says they were annoyed with him, they hated him because of the way he talked about his dreams? And suddenly here's Joseph in prison. In the meantime, he's matured, he's learned something really, really important. Now this time around, the person listening to his interpretation or listening to what he has to say about dreams is not upset with him anymore. And we'll see that even more when we read the next chapter about Pharaoh. It's like Joseph, in this time when God was with Joseph, we hear the stories about, like, you know, we, we obviously know that years have passed on here. And, you know, we, we think, oh, he was at Potiphar's house doing whatever he was doing and he, everything was going well. And then, you know, he's in prison. He was doing whatever he was doing. Everything was going well. Great, great, great. Well done, Joseph. But actually, while he was serving his earthly masters, Potiphar and the prison warden, God was also doing another work in his heart about the gift that Joseph had. So while Joseph was serving his day-to-day -day duties, he was also growing and maturing in his spiritual gifts, which was dreams, having dreams and interpretations and interpreting them and having. So suddenly, Joseph, the 17-year-old annoying teenager who was probably maybe proud about his dreams and how his brothers would bow to him, suddenly in chapter 40, he's like, interpreting dreams is God's business. Like, whoa, Joseph, you've learned a few things in the meantime. But here's the beauty. He doesn't just say, that's God's business, so you should talk to God. He says, tell me your dream. I'll interpret it. Not only Joseph has understood, not only has Joseph understood that the dreams and interpretations come from God, 
he also understood that God actually, he's called him to deliver the message. Isn't that amazing? You don't, you don't get those insights, really, do you? Look, maybe at Potiphar's house, maybe there were more dreams. Maybe there were, he was interpreting more dreams. Who knows? Maybe in the prison, maybe these guys weren't the only ones who had dreams. Maybe Joseph had more dreams himself. But all the while, while he was serving in the place that God had placed him and God was promoting him, he was still learning and practicing his own spiritual gifts and blessing the people around him. And suddenly he's like interpreting is the interpretations. It's God's business. But you know what? Go ahead and tell me because I know he's called me to deliver the message to you. Now, how many of us can say that we are aware and we use our spiritual gifts in our workplace? Many of us are working. Many of us have jobs. How many of us are even spiritually aware of anything happening in our workplace? If someone comes to us and tells us they had a dream, what's our first things thing? Was it a good one or a bad one? Tell me if it was a good one. Keep it if it was a bad one. That's usually what I would say. I have, I have some weird dreams. Most of my dreams involve me in a war zone rescuing people. Probably because of the movies I watch. Kira always makes fun of me. He's like, why are you always somewhere where there's trouble? <laughs> and somehow you're dragging these people across these fields and plains and teaching them how to hide behind rocks and how to camouflage. Like, why? I don't do that in my life at all. Our reaction to dreams is so funny, isn't it? But this is not just about dreams. I'm not just talking about dreams. What I'm talking about is... Are we as people, as individuals, while we are doing our day-to-day -day things, are we spiritually aware of what God may be doing? Because if Joseph wasn't spiritually aware at that point, if he hadn't interpreted that dream, he would have never been able to get to Pharaoh, which was God's appointed place for him. So perhaps us becoming more and more spiritually aware of where we are and where God's placed us and positioned us may be key to where God is leading you into in the future. If we decide that we're not going to be doing any of that and we're just going to sit there and do what needs doing and maybe Joseph just got busy doing the rotas, making sure the sheets were cleaned or whatever it might be in the prison. If that's all he did and uh, conversations with the other prisoners and the wardens was all very casual. It was like, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's wet outside, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's a bit cold, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's all he did, he wouldn't have been launched into the destination God had for him. So being spiritually aware, perhaps, is far more important than we might imagine or we might think. So Father, I pray for us today that for every single one of us, regardless of where we are, maybe we're retired, maybe we're working, maybe whatever our circumstances might be, Father, I pray a blessing over us as a church that we will be people who are spiritually aware 
God, our conversations would go deeper than just the casual highs and hellos. The Father, when someone comes and opens up their hearts or tells us about whatever the dream or weird one or whatever the crazy encounter that they had with the person or whatever it might be, Lord, that we would be spiritually aware to see what you are doing with that person in that workplace, in, our, in wherever you've kept us, you've positioned us. Father, open our eyes to see things that you are showing us. Father, soften our hearts to feel things that you feel. Fine-tune our ears to hear your voice. That even in the gentle whispers, God, we will unlock heaven. Father, even in our conversations, God, that we will be, Lord, opening up places of encounter with you. Yes, Jesus. Just take a moment. Let, let me ask you this question. Just can you, would you just take a moment to prophetically imagine your workplace or wherever you might be during the week? Imagine what would that place look like if it became a place of encounter? What would the stories that you would have if the place that you are in right now became a place of encounter? Would you just, just, just imagine it and just take it to the Father and just say, Father, let it be. And say, use me. I'll be the Joseph. I'll be the Joseph God. Wherever I am, let heaven touch earth. Wherever I am, let it be a place of encounter. In my conversations, let heaven touch earth. Let your kingdom come. Let blessings and goodness be unlocked because people have spoken to me. People have told me their dreams. People have told me their weird stories. Let me be spiritually aware. In your name we pray. Hey, Jesus. So it goes on, the story goes on. I, oh, okay. All right. I see, I wasn't planning to do all that. Um, the story goes on, and you see, I mean, um, eventually Joseph gets in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream, and then um, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh has two dreams. Joseph interprets them both, and it's great. It's wonderful. And I love this. And I'd love for us to pray this over us, over uh, each of us. In chapter 41, verse 37 I want you to notice, I really felt God impress this on me. Um, that difference between 17-year-old Joseph and this Joseph here in verse 37 in chapter 41. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. Immediately, so this carries on, which means with immediate effect. Pharaoh says, You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, Pharaoh myself, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot, reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down. Remember the dreams? Kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all, the, all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh. But no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval whoa what just happened Joseph 17 hated by his brothers sold into slavery mourned by his mom and dad as though he was dead with Potiphar falsely accused back in prison in prison, forgotten for two years it took. And now suddenly in front of Pharaoh, and boom, he's exploded. Second in command. And all this while, all this while, all this while, none of this would have happened if Joseph had given up in the meantime. Do we see that? All this time, if Joseph had given up interpreting dreams, if Joseph had given up on his spiritual gifts and he had just buried them and just said, like, you know what? God said these things about me. I thought God said these things about me. I thought I had a good feeling, but look at me now. I'm in prison. I've been forgotten. Not only by my brothers, my parents, but also this cupbearer who was supposedly, you know, introduced me to the Pharaoh. He forgot me again. For two years, Joseph just carries on doing, doing, doing. Just serving where God had positioned him, but at the same time, not giving up on the spiritual gifts, not giving up on the spiritual gifts that God had put in him. Do you see that? So when the day came, when Pharaoh says, I have a dream, I need someone to interpret, the cupbearer knew who he could call. If Joseph had forgotten, let's say Joseph's there, he's kind of had a rough time, and he's like, oh, man. Pharaoh, I know you need a prophet. Like, I know you need someone to interpret your dream, but you know what? The last two years have been really hard on me. You heard of COVID? It was really hard on me, man. All my spiritual gifts were all just on the back burner, man. Just haven't been doing anything with them. Just kind of, you know, Kind of losing a sense of who I am. I don't know. I don't know. It's just been really difficult. 
Does that sound like any of us? Does that sound like a lot of people in church today? I think it does. I think a lot of us, whether by choice or not, have just have to, you know, we've been in a lull. But being in a lull is not what we're called to be. Being Joseph who was ready when the moment came is what you're called to be. Being David when the moment comes, being David who's ready with a sling and knows how to throw out of the giant, that's who you're called to be. Not being like, oh man, I've just been with this sheep all this time. I kind of, you want me to sing you a song? I can sing you a song. I can do that. How about that? I can't go against a giant because that's just not what I've been doing. It's like, no. God's called you to do something. God's got a plan, a purpose for every single one of us. God's got a plan and a purpose for this church, for us as a family. He hasn't forgotten Weymouth. He hasn't forgotten the prayer house. So in the moments where it feels like a lull, the call on us is to continue to steward what God has put in us. Continue to remember that he's called us. That there is a plan. That the moment will come. And may we never be found sleeping when the moment comes. Let us be people who have everything it needs to get going. Let's be Joseph's. Let's be David's. Because he's got a plan. He doesn't forget. He doesn't change his mind about you and me. Joseph carries on his, his pen. I love this about Joseph. And I love this. And I, I want to just highlight that again. And right at the end of his story. His brothers are now scared. And they're coming to him and they're saying, would you forgive us? We'll be your slaves, Joseph. We'll be your slaves. They've, they've already bowed in front of him. The dreams of Joseph's dreams have already come to pass. All that sort of thing. All that's happened. There's this moment where Joseph's brothers, his dad dies and all his brothers are like, wow, this is what he was waiting for. He was just waiting for our dad to die so he can take revenge on us now. And so they're like, Joseph, please be merciful. Just forgive us, please. please." And Joseph's like, you know what? What you intended to be bad, God changed it for good. I don't think the 17-year-old Joseph who was sold to slavery would have said that same thing. Do you? I certainly wouldn't have. The thing that I really want to highlight is God had a plan for Joseph. There was a purpose. It took a while for that to be fulfilled. In the meantime, Joseph didn't fall asleep and just wait for God to do something. He was growing. He was learning. He was maturing. He was practicing. He was releasing the gifts in him. He was doing all that. When the day comes, when he had to stand before Pharaoh, he was ready. He was prepared. He knew how to hear from God. He knew what needed to be done administratively. He'd been doing it in small situations. God brings him. You know, God's been training him in Potiphar's house. God's been training him in the prison. God's been, you know, introducing him to the royal household, all that sort of thing. Suddenly, a whole land in front of him. He's already been doing what God wanted him to be doing at the end. 
So, question for us as a church, as we go into this time of prayer and fasting, and as we seek God and we seek and pray and fast and, you know, we're here to hear from Him and do all that, the question for us is this. It's like, what is God asking us to do today in the present that is setting us up for the future that he has for you and me? What is it? It's a question. It's a rhetorical question. to the answers right now. But it is a question that we should ask ourselves. It's like, what is it? God, Father, come on, speak to us. The next few weeks, Father, as we give up, Food as we pray and we fast and we meet on Sunday nights to pray and to hear from you, to seek your voice, to seek your will. God, show us what it is that you want us to be doing now that sets us up for the future. Because we know, Father, that you haven't changed your mind about the prayer house. You haven't changed your mind about the church in Weymouth. Even the wider church in Weymouth, you haven't changed your mind about revival in the UK. You haven't changed your mind about that. There's a great word from Smith Wigglesworth where he talks about God doing that the, the days will come when the Word and the Spirit come together and there will be a great awakening, a great revival that will begin in the UK and then go into the continent, into Europe. And I'm really interested what that will look like for us as a prayer house now that we have all these doors opening in Europe. Is God positioning us for something? Are we able to see it with wider eyes? Are we, able to, are we spiritually aware? Or are we just saying, oh, it's winter and it's Weymouth, it's sleepy town time. Or are we saying, wow, God is opening doors in Ukraine. God's door opening doors in Romania. God's opening doors in Norway with our friend Raf. It's like, okay, doors in Europe are opening. And God is doing some great things here in Weymouth. And we know that there is a day that it's been prophesied that there will be a day where revival hits UK and will go into the continent. What does that look like for you and me? What does that look like for the prayer house? Perhaps he's setting us up. Does that excite us? It should. Wow, God is doing amazing things at the prison. Wow, awesome. What will that look like? What is he setting us up for? So we don't go into this time of prayer and fasting just saying, oh God, just tell us nice things. Make us feel better now. Please, because we're all poorly, we're all sniffly noses lit. We rebuke sniffly noses. We're like, that's okay. Yeah, sure, let's pray for sickness. That's fine. We love that. We celebrate that. But what is, what is spiritually aware Christian living in 2023 in Weymouth hearing from God? What is a church that's spiritually aware hearing from God? That's what we want. We want to serve today well while stewarding what he's put in us so that we are set up for the future and for the plans and purposes that he has for us. Does that sound like a good word? Why don't we stand and pray? <clears throat> so Father, we thank you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Oh, Father, come on. Just take a moment to just say, Father, here I am. Here I am, use me. 
Use me, Father. Let me be Joseph. Let me be Joseph. Let me be David. Father, let me not fall asleep. Let me not just get tired and weary. But Father, use me. Use me today. Father, speak to us. Father, I pray for the prophetic imagination thing that we did. Lord, I pray for everyone who had a glimpse of what their workplace might could be if it became a place of encounter. And I, Father, I just release that right now. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray for every workspace. We pray for our hospitals. We pray for our schools. We pray for our communities. We pray for every employer and employee. Father, I pray, God, that you would release an anointing right now into our hearts, into our lives, Jesus, where we become carriers of your presence, that it will be said of your people that the Lord is with him, the Lord is with her. Lord Jesus, that when we get introduced into someone's life, that that day will be a day that they will mark in the calendar and to say, from this day, everything changed. Like with Potiphar, Lord, he was able to see that Joseph had something in him that the minute he gave him responsibilities, everything that Joseph was in charge of changed and it flourished and it was a blessing. And so the Father, I pray that over us as a church, Father. I pray that over us as individuals, I pray, Father, that the every introduction, every new sphere of influence that you add into our lives, that things will change because you are with us. Because you are with us, you've called us. You are not a God who abandons us. You are a God who is with us. You are a God who leads us. And Father, I pray for the sharpening of our spiritual gifts. For I pray for the sharpening of spiritual gifts. I pray for a release of spiritual gifts today. Father, if there's anyone in the room who is not clear about what the gifts might be that you may be giving them, Father, I pray that you'd make it clear you'd make it clear, God. I pray that, Lord, this church will be known as a church full of people who are spiritually aware, who have got sharp gifts, who are not sitting around with it, but, Father, who are practicing it, who are using it, who are blessing other people with it. Father, I pray that you would raise up prophets in this house. I pray that you would raise up evangelists in this house. I pray, Father, you would raise up people with the gift of healing in this house, the gift of miracles in this house. I pray that, Lord, Lord, you would raise up apostles in this house, Lord. I pray that you'd raise up teachers in this house. I pray that you'd raise up people with amazing supernatural wisdom, administrative wisdom in this house, Lord Jesus. I pray for some of our small business owners. I bless you guys. I bless your business. I bless you with wisdom. I bless you with an anointing. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus to be like Joseph who knows what to do when the time comes. Who knows how to lead when the time comes. I pray, Father, that as a church, Lord, you would raise us up. You'd position us for the plans and purposes that you have spoken over us. We will never forget. We will hold on to them. And in the moments where it feels a bit dull, Lord, we don't care because you are with us. We are not marked by anything else. We are marked by your presence. That is our measure of success, that you are with us. That even though Joseph was lonely in the prison, his measure of success with the Lord was with him. That's what marked him. That's what set him apart. 
And so, Father, let us be set apart because you are with us. Yeah. In Jesus' name.